everybody, it's James Lindsay. You're listening to New Discourses Bullets, where I give a bullet point type summary of a single topic from woke Marxism that we need to understand so we can defeat it. And I want to talk about the real threat of ESG today. Now, we're getting familiar with ESG. I'll give you a little primer on this, then I'll talk about the real threat. It's not that complicated. But ESG stands for Environmental, Social, and Governance Scoring. The history of this, it originated at the United Nations as an experiment to figure out how to leverage passive investment money, your pension funds, long-term investments, 401ks, and so on, into doing what's called impact investing. Impact investing is doing activism with that money. It's investing in companies that are doing environmental activism, social activism, and so on, as opposed to investing based on what the best rate of return is. The agenda was always to be able to do impact investing with these reservoirs of trillions of dollars. So very large reservoirs of money. The pretext they invented to justify ESG was that, well, we're managing long-term investments. And so since they're long-term investments, we have to think about what makes a company successful in the long-term, not the short-term. And if they have bad environmental policy, it's only a matter of time until that comes back on them. Or if they have bad corporate social responsibility, it's only a matter of time until people get angry and throw down on them, ruin their corporation. And if they have bad corporate governance models, they're not following so-called best practices. Well, it's only a matter of time until they fail. They might do well in the short term, but in the long term, they're a bad bet. Therefore, from managing long-term assets, your best profitability uh, will come from being ESG compliant. And then it just becomes a matter of understanding what good ESG policy that translates into good long-term investment strategy looks like, or at least it would be in an ideal world. But by at least 2009, so six years into the existence of this, uh, which, by the way, was formulated at the United Nations by an intern named James Gifford in 2003. By 2009, it had already been captured to the point where its purpose was to start to force market behavior into the activism that these uh, large passive investment firms like BlackRock, Vanguard, State Street, so on, in cooperation with the World Economic Forum, in cooperation with the United Nations and their, at that time, millennial development or millennium development goals, what they had in mind for good responsible behavior with regard to the environment and what they had in mind with good corporate social responsibility, which as we kind of move into the era after the financial crash of 2008 and 9, and we get into kind of the 2011-12 range, they started to dip into the idea that corporate social responsibility needs to look an awful lot like what we now recognize as woke identity politics. And so that came to define the S in ESG environmentalism is a wide open field. There are lots of things that could be said about it. Uh, but the so-called climate crisis, I'm trying to get away from calling it climate change, which is a nebulous term. The so-called climate crisis that they decided exists became the defining term in terms of environmental uh, best practices. We're going to crush the fossil fuel industry. We're going to crush the travel industry. We're going to minimize all emissions of CO2, methane, and so on. So we're going to get rid of all the ruminants and all of the bovines. So we're going to get rid of cows. Uh, we're going to get rid of sheep, goats, etc. We're not going to eat red meat anymore because that's bad for the environment, this kind of stuff. And then corporate governance, while there are actually best practices in corporate management, the truth is that this is the most gameable variable in the universe. 
somebody who has this much access to power and control over a corporation can say corporate best practices are doing what we tell you to hiring people for your board of directors that we say having the ceo that we uh, suggest or that we uh, recommend or, or put in place um, installing hr directives that look like what we want hiring uh, political officers like esg officers or dei officers to make sure that the corporate social responsibility and the ESG protocols are being um, implemented fully, not just at the level of corporate practice, but also at the level of corporate values. These are the kinds of things that get into the, that governance score. And so this is basically a gigantic tool that allows the managers of these huge reservoirs of money, which are fairly small in number, to be able to pull around all of the corporations, the largest corporations in the world, they can actually control them. They can make them decide who's going to be on the board, what kinds of people are going to be their executives, how their executive reward structures are arranged. So if you implement the right policies, we'll give you big bonuses. If you go against that, we won't give you big bonuses. If you don't play along, your governance score will drop. And since these people have gigantic reservoirs of other people's money, our money, our retirement funds to play with in excess possibly of $10 trillion, which is not a small amount of money. It's nothing to sneeze at. They actually have the power by a number of mechanisms to manipulate these things. One of those mechanisms that we're now very aware of besides board placement and so on is the fact that they, by proxy through their management, they don't themselves own, but by proxy management, they own large percentages of the stock of most of these corporations. Arguably over 40% of the entire S&P 500 is owned by proxy by these index fund managers. Well, what does that mean? Well, that means that a shareholder holder, uh, vote or meeting, they have tremendous sway. So they don't just have to have people on the board. They don't just have to have executive control through the governance scoring. They also actually have a gigantic vote in terms of holding shares. Those are votes by proxy. They're, they don't own those shares. That's money that we have entrusted them with that they are manipulating to do activism that they believe in that may go against our values or the economy or shareholder interest or in fact all of those things. And the future of humanity hangs in the balance as a result. And so they have tremendous influence in regard to that as well, not just placement on boards, control of the boards and executives, not just however the ability to control at the shareholder uh, level. They also control financial institutions, which means they control interest rates. They control access to lines of capital. So they can very easily limit uh, your access to short-term liquidity. If you need assets and you need them now, if you need a line of credit, they can control that. They can also control your interest rates. There are things out there in the universe, the device that was developed in 2017 called a sustainability-linked loan. So if you are operating in ESG compliance, then you get a very favorable interest rate. And if the lower your ESG score, the worse your interest rate on your line of credit or your capital that you borrow. So they can manipulate that way. This is yet another tool they've created to be able to manipulate. They also, since they own by proxy, they don't technically own, they own by proxy large numbers of shares. They have the capacity to sell those and mess with your stock price. They also have the capacity to delist you from the ESG and cause a run broadly in the market and cause investors to get spooked, especially as the ESG cartel gets tighter and tighter and getting out of it gets harder and harder. So we understand how ESG is so dangerous. Now, what does that mean? Well, 
we're not even to the real threat yet. We'll come back. We'll come back to that. So we understand how much you have to. I had to cover all that because in most of the podcast is covering the, that background because you must understand how much power ESG has and how concentrated that power is into such a small number of hands who are virtually unaccountable to anybody except each other and themselves, which means they are by default a kind of oligopoly that runs the entire now not just corporate but public private sector because governments are tied up with all of this as well government governments of course pay attention to what all the big industries are doing and if they're all doing the same thing the governments get in bed and play along and this becomes very incestuous and very corrupt so you have some sense of how powerful and concentrated into unaccountable hands the ESG tool is now what it means is that they're going to enact rampant policy in line with their environmental goals which in this case happened to be the very crazy belief that the world lacks sufficient resources to sustain the population as it is and into where it's going over the course of say the next 50 to 100 years and therefore we're at risk of imminent ecological collapse that cannot support a human population anything like our size and therefore everything's going to fall apart and so we have to get rid of the excess people who are causing this problem uh, in essence to limit their behaviors not so much necessarily the people actually i shouldn't phrase it that way although it's kind of true actually i think it's literally true um they what they have to limit is our our energy consumption to tremendously low levels uh whether that's by limiting population or or as their books like limits to growth explain or um whether that's by uh, severely limiting our access to energy as the uh, for example absolute zero document i covered on the new discourses podcast um recently from uk fires uh, indicated one way or another they have to dramatically reduce this and this is their, their crackpot belief so this is environmental policy so it's, this is a climate crisis which is part of the poly crisis which is a pretext for gaining power, grabbing it and concentrating it in these exact same hands. But then there's also the social justice side of this. That's the S in ESG. Um, and this is very important to understand because the social justice movement that we're experiencing, all of this cultural revolution that's sweeping through the West is not just happening. There are elements of it that are from the ground up that are grassroots. There are elements of it that have leaked out of education in the universities. There are reasons that aren't just organic that the universities and our education systems went this way, of course, as well. But the fact of the matter is the reason that it's so prevalent and so invincible is because, frankly, there are these scoring mechanisms that keep not just corporations, but the healthcare industry and municipalities completely enthralled to what's going on. They have no real option. All of those threats will come down on their head if they're all not woke as hell. And that makes it very difficult for them to navigate. It's like having a literal mafia running the entire uh, big business world uh, throughout the West. And their agenda is to push the social justice cultural revolution, the woke cultural revolution that's tearing apart our societies. And the reason is because it's tearing apart our societies, which allows them yet again in the chaos that ensues to consolidate power in their own area. The poly crisis is the excuse to clump power under them turns out their rules in the social justice universe are very hard to follow they change a lot they need lots of special political officers to be hired to manage them and so it's kind of the perfect weapon keeps people divided gives them 
constant excuses for more power, very difficult to make sense of, changes every other day. And that's why it's a very useful tool to them. But that also gives us a hint of the real threat of ESG and the real point of this podcast. The point of this podcast, the threat, the real threat of ESG is not that it is espousing a completely Malthusian crackpot environmental crisis uh, scam at its heart for environmental policy or completely self-serving corporate governance policies for its governance scoring or the fact that it's pushing the woke revolution through the West through its social scoring. It's in fact that that's all arbitrary. The ESG threat is that it can push every one of these things today so long as those things are advantageous to it and tomorrow they can change every single rule. Everything can be turned on its head. Something that was previously an environmental hazard can be reformulated as an environmental good. They can go from one day saying that the environmental hazard is the fossil fuel industry, and the next day they can say that because of uh, environmental hazards like cold weather or heat or whatever, necessitating blah, 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 that the fossil fuel industry is in fact an environmental good. I use that as an example because it's just a complete 180 flip-flop. They can say, for example, that uh, there's a there's a pathogen in the air like COVID-19 or there's smoke in the air from wildfires or whatever else. And so they can justify all kinds of environmental policy. And then the next day they can change those policies and they can justify handing over uh, state of emergency powers over all countries to something like the World Health Organization in the meantime. So you see the power grabs involved, but what counts as good environmental policy can change overnight. They could say that woke, as a matter of fact, creates a hostile working environment and they just realized this and so your e-score will go down for having the wrong s for for, for implementing the the social justice thing and so then the social score has to get completely revamped think that's not possible that they would just abandon woke of course they will just abandon woke mao said very explicitly in his formula for transforming china which he said over and over again that you need different things happening at different stages in the revolution. You need different behaviors. You need different objectives. You need different types of activists and radicals at different stages in the revolution. So he brings out the Red Guard. They capture his uh, chief political enemy, Liu Xiaoqi, in in, uh, 1967. And by the end of 1968, there's no more Red Guard because he doesn't need it anymore. And they're too radical. They're too left. They're too fractious. They're too dangerous. So the People's Liberation Army put them down. Not needed at that stage of the revolution. We have now moved on to socialism building building out the socialist utopias. You need completely different things at that point. And that's how ESG is going to work as well. It's completely arbitrary and in the hands of very, a very small number of virtually unaccountable stakeholder representatives who have formed a council who will get to decide what the right policy is. If it's woke today and woke uh, is out tomorrow, so be it. And you're going to adapt. And if it's woke again three weeks later, you're going to adapt to that too. Every corporation, and if they get a social credit score based off of ESG on individuals like they have in China, although based on other things there, then every individual, when asked to jump to the new qualifications of ESG, they'll say how high. One more example of that, when the conflict in Ukraine broke out, all the weapons manufacturers had been originally assigned a low social score in ESG, but suddenly the social environment of the world demanded military intervention in Ukraine. And guess what? It was now to a massive benefit. Your S score went way up. If you were a weapons manufacturer, you have the most, uh, kind of successful environmental cause 
or sorry, electric car company, which is one of their current uh, environmental causes. That would think of how quickly that could flip. Oh, mining the batteries, environmental disaster. Having the batteries, running the batteries, disposing of the batteries, environmental disaster. Oh, electric cars, E, very good now. E, very bad in the future. That could change just overnight at any point. And so now you've all divested of gas cars. We don't have gas cars anymore. We only have electric cars. But now electric cars are a ESG liability because of the batteries and the mining and so on. And so now you just can't have a car. See what I'm saying? ESG can change according to their whims whenever. But Tesla was obviously one of the most um, successful electric car corporations and still is most popular. Elon Musk is the golden boy. All of a sudden, he starts speaking up about free speech. He purchases Twitter and they crush Tesla's S score for his ESG. They can change their mind about whatever they want and change your ESG score today, tomorrow, or the next day. They can change it one way, change it back. In other words, ESG is a tool to hand complete and arbitrary power into the hands of tyrants. What they're actually doing with it matters a lot. The things they're doing with woke through the corporate equality index, healthcare equality index, municipal equality index, where they're pushing this um, extraordinarily destructive uh, queer theory rooted agenda of transition and gender affirmation and all this nonsense, especially onto kids, all of that is part of the ESG thing. And if they decide that that's actually not so good anymore, that goes away the next day. So it's not just that they're doing horrible things. They're doing horrible things in order to grab power. And when they have that power, that power is absolute and uncontestable. And that means it becomes completely arbitrary. And if they want capricious, they can attack you with that power, whoever you are, whenever they want at their whim. And so that's the real threat of ESG is that it hands unbridled, unfathomable, arbitrary power into the hands of a very small group of completely unaccountable people who we can visibly see, listen to, read, and understand already believe not just tyrannical things, but crazy things. That's the real threat of ESG.